P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we track trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. And I'm Shelby, and it's my birthday! <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Is today your actual birthday? When is your real birthday? My birthday was May, is May 8th, so I think it's the day before this episode drops, so... Okay. Well, happy early birthday from me now, late birthday from me when the podcast <laughs> comes out. Are you doing yes. anything fun or exciting for uh, your birthday? I'm usually really into birthdays. Like, I really love birthdays. But this year, work has just been the absolute worst. And I've totally blanked on, like, making plans or getting anything in order. So I don't think so. So you're just literally going to work on your birthday. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to work Fun. on my birthday and I'll probably go out to eat at some place we can't afford for fun. Because that's oh, what you do. That's so it'll what be nice. You do. But um, also what we do on our birthdays is a special episode. Yeah. So even if you're not celebrating in real life, you're celebrating <laughs> here on the podcast. Because exactly. on our birthdays, we get to pick any actor or actress that we want and go through their filmography, their life, all of the drama <laughs> that circles around them. And so for your birthday, you picked Will Smith, which was a little <laughs> yes. bit of a surprise for me, but I'm excited. I know. I was I was trying to think like who cuz you chose Anne Hathaway, which I loved because yes. I love the Hathaway haters, like drama, all of that. But you chose her because <laughs> you had a secret obsession with her. You're in, you know, since high school. So, which we got to see in full force from your yes. <laughs> high school birthday present. So mm-hmm. that was, that one made sense. So it took me, you know, a while to pick who I wanted to do for this episode because I'm not like a Will Smith stan. Like, it's not like I love Will Smith the way you love Anne Hathaway. But I was trying to think of someone interesting and someone that's like really captured my attention for things even outside of his acting. And <laughs> I gotta say, Will Smith is just such a character. He's such an interesting figure. And I'm excited to get into it a little bit more. Yeah, initially I was very much like, well, this seems sort of like a boring choice. I don't really know what's exciting about him. But then the more I dug into this and the more I was going through his movies and watching his movies in preparation for this, I was like, oh, there is a lot going on here. He is a very interesting person. (laughs) And there's a lot of sides of things that I would not have thought existed on first glance. Oh yeah, he's just he's just the gift that keeps on giving and in crazy quotes and weird rumors and outlandish movies and odd choices. So there's a lot to unpack there for sure. <laughs> but before we get into all of the Will Smith drama, uh you should be following us on social media. We are at yes. PSU Wrong on Instagram, on Twitter. You can send us an email at PSURong at gmail.com. Also, you can listen to us wherever podcasts are sold, <laughs> held, <laughs> launched. What's the word? Um, homed? Hosted. Hosted. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. Hosted. We're pros, and yeah. you can leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts. We will yeah. read them on the show. We haven't gotten one in a little while, <laughs> yeah, it's which my is birthday. frustrating. You got to leave a yes. review. Leave a happy note. You know, this is we're coming on a year of podcasting. So 
Yeah, we're getting close. Crazy. And if you're a really good fan, you would leave a review saying, happy birthday, Shelby. You're my <laughs> second favorite of the podcast hosts. And then why yeah, that's true. Well, why would they lie? You know, why ask them to lie like that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um, I figured, so Will Smith, you know, he's well known. He's a, he's a figure. But he probably is known to a lot of people for his TV show, The Fresh yes. Prince of Bel-Air. And I was really counting on you to fill in the gaps for me on that because I've never seen it. <laughs> but then you admitted you've never seen it either. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, so, he, I mean, here's the thing with... With Fresh Prince and with just my, we'll get into this a lot, I think, in this yeah. episode. And also just in my like TV watching and movie watching in general. In that <laughs> there's a difference between the two of us where I am the oldest child in my family and you have a lot of older siblings. Yeah. So for me, there's like, if it didn't come out like after 2000, <laughs> the likelihood that I know about it or have a lot of experience with it is slim just because like there was nobody older in my house, like watching these things, watching these shows. And my parents were pretty strict. So like I wasn't allowed to watch PG 13 things until I was at least 13. And if it was too (laughs) sexual, then I couldn't even watch it then. So like I have, um, I sort of have like been going back and watching some old things to try to catch up. But like fresh Prince was something that came out like in the early nineties. I didn't watch it when it was on. I never went back back and watched it later i didn't have siblings who watched it like i think maybe i saw a rerun on nick at night at some point (laughs) but like not not in any way that i could identify like characters or arcs or anything other than the theme song that's the only thing about the show that i know yeah i think a similar story i mean i I grew up in a pretty sheltered family as well. So even though we saw a lot of movies, TV was pretty limited because, I don't know, parental controls or something. Did those exist in the 90s? I don't know. But we really just didn't watch a lot of sitcoms. Like I remember watching the finale of Friends like the final episode to ever. Oh, I was not allowed to watch friends. Yeah. I snuck downstairs to watch it with my brother at the time. And so other than that, like we were a big TLC family and like animal planet. And like, (laughs) I was trying to think of like, what was I watching? If not like fresh prints. And it's really just a sad, embarrassing (laughs) parade of weird shows. (sighs) Oh, I watched, we watched loads of pbs i know a lot oh, about yeah. arthur liberty kids zoom cyber chase like anything that See, was on I have pbs no idea about any of that i never watched arthur which i think is the weirdest thing about me yeah it was it was on tv for free public broadcasting <laughs> and the episodes were great other than like maybe twice a year they did a fundraiser on there so then you wouldn't get to watch very much because these <laughs> random people would come on and be like uh you know the only way that we can provide materials such as oh, arthur right, right, or right. sagua yeah. the cat <laughs> is that through support from people like you so if you'd like to donate five dollars we'll send you this sagua hat <laughs> if you would like to donate twenty dollars we'll send you a pbs tote bag with caillou on the side of it and you'd be sitting there like uh my parents aren't gonna <laughs> pay for words. any of this stuff yeah. and i don't have any money so like let's get to 
the episode and it would just take forever. I only remember the only animated show I remember watching as a kid was Rugrats. And (laughs) I loved it. I like remember loving it as a kid. We would tape it. We were so into it. I want we we did not have cable at our house, but when we would go to my <laughs> grandmother's house, she had cable. And so I'd watch a lot of Nickelodeon down there. Oh, yeah. But my mom did not like Rugrats because she said Angelica <laughs> was too mean. So we weren't really yeah. allowed to watch that. You're kind of like an Angelica, you know? <laughs> oh, believe me. At some point in college, there was an article <laughs> that came out on BuzzFeed that was like 34 reasons why you're Angelica. And <laughs> and and multiple people, like separate of one another, sent it to me and were like, ah, yes, this. <laughs> so that was a yeah. moment in my life when I yeah, had to rethink an things and I yeah. decided, you know what? why bother changing yeah yeah (laughs) too late now oh that's funny i got told once that i reminded someone of the girl with glasses on recess did you ever watch gretchen this must have been like long ago no recess is one of my favorite shows i love recess so much but (laughs) i don't understand who would say that you were like gretchen because she is like not necessarily shy, but like geeky, uh, <laughs> like very like sciencey, smart type person. Which not that you're not smart, but you're like <laughs> kind of I don't know. Okay, you're more okay. edged you than she does. Right. Oh, well, that's nice. Then wow, a compliment. I'm I'm glad. I was worried you'd be like you're nothing like Gretchen. She's so cool. She's like my favorite character. But I never watched it. So the. The commentary really went over my head and I didn't know if the guy was complimenting me or insulting me. So I just backed off slowly, you know. You want to know the strangest thing about me and my TV watching as a child Mm -hmm. was that I was obsessed with the Game Show Network. And this is not the Game Show Network that is currently on where it's like new shows. At the time, the Game Show Network only aired reruns (laughs) of game shows from like the 70s. So like very old episodes of Family Feud and Match Game (laughs) and Card Sharks and weird (laughs) Password. What is it? Thousand Dollar Pyramid. Like. And I would just sit and watch them over and over and over again to the point where I knew all of these random like B-list celebrities that were on those <laughs> shows. Uh, th- what's the um, Hollywood Squares? And I would just watch that for hours. And my grandma would say, you know, everybody on this show is dead already. <laughs> and I was like, I don't care, grandma. It's great. <laughs> no, we would watch like, I don't know what it was on. I don't know if it was a fever dream, but this show called Shop Till You Drop. And it was like people and there was one that took place in a grocery store where people would have like 30 minutes to go and get as much things off a list as they could or like they'd try and get the most Are expensive Are you sure this was things. a supermarket sweep? Because <laughs> that, that was, was a show that I watched. Maybe that was one. But Shop Till You Drop was like they'd be in a mall and they'd have like different challenges and they'd have to go and like complete them or make guesses. It was very weird. I'm very Googling family friendly. This. It's a show, I swear. And the other one was this show called, and I had to look it up because I just remembered watching this show that was like a drama about a guy who would get tomorrow's newspaper, like in the future, like from the future. And so he'd spend like all day, like going and like 
and trying to stop bad things from happening. And it's a real show. I, I honestly thought I dreamed it, but it's called like Early Edition and it stars Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights. So Shop Till You Drop him. was on intermittently between 1991 and 2005. Oh, yeah. It ran for 10 seasons. <laughs> Guess how many episodes are in 10 seasons? Like 500. <laughs> 980. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I think it was on like all the time. I honestly... It was on Lifetime and then the Family <laughs> Channel and then PAX. Remember PAX? <laughs> no. Wow. Oh, that was a... What else was on that? That was... I feel like it was maybe... Was that the WB before? Oh, no. Now it's called ION. Used to be called PAX for a short, <laughs> brief period. Wow. Memories. Um Yeah. But should we get Lots into Will stuff. Smith? Yeah, yeah. So we didn't watch Fresh Prince. Let's just start with that. But we yes. knew, we, when did you first, like, when do you remember knowing who Will Smith was? Oh, gosh. Let me look at this timeline and see if there was <laughs> I feel like I, I knew of Men in Black when it came out. Mm-hmm. I did not watch it because, again, <laughs> PG-13, and it came out in 1997 when I was six years old. But I feel yeah. like I remember, like, posters and stuff, so that would have probably been right. the first time that I, like, had seen him. Or the first, like, movie that I saw that had him in it would have been Shark Tale, I think, <laughs> in 2004. Oh, my gosh. That's, like, the tail end of his of his peak, isn't it? I mean... That's wild. That's like uh, we will get into it, in. but I do not think that is the tail end of his peak. I think that's the beginning of his peak. But <laughs> we shall that's, discuss later. That's disrespectful to the <laughs> something that I kid. really did not. Maybe I like vaguely knew this in the back of my mind, but didn't fully realize this until you picked him as the episode. Is that he was a rapper first and became yes! famous as a rapper, and then they sort of made the Fresh Prince TV show about you know sort of like loosely based on his life in general you know well, like growing up on the west on, side of philadelphia whatever yeah yeah it was based on his the producer of the show's life who moved to bel-air as a kid but yeah he was definitely like in the mix he was they built the show around will smith because will smith was a successful <laughs> that is so funny you didn't know that <sighs> yeah i mean will smith was a musician first and foremost he was like 12 years old when he started like his uh it was the fresh dj jazz and the fresh prince or something it was like a group he started with his um dj buddy. jazzy jeff and the jazzy fresh jazz prince. yes that's right and i mean they won like they won Grammy awards. They got like yes. the best, for, the first best rap performance. For parents, just don't understand. They're basically like like Macklemore, but actually black. And like <laughs> they just like kind of talk rap, and they are very like clean cut. Like they were very they were very kid friendly for a rap duo at yes. the time. So I was definitely aware of that music. <laughs> I I was not, uh, we, uh, but the the something that I was reading is that the reason why people think that they won all of these Grammys is because they were like rap, so it seemed progressive, but it was very right. PG-13, like <laughs> yeah. not really swearing, exactly. very like, you know, just general topics, nothing yeah. too sexual. But something <laughs> that I found that was very interesting is that, so they start, the first album comes out in 1987, 
Fresh Prince doesn't air until 1990. And in that period, Will Smith made a ton of money, oh, and yeah. that, but then spent so much money that he owed the IRS $2.8 million <laughs> in back taxes by yeah. 1989. And the IRS had to come in, like, seize all of his possessions and then garnish his wages for the next however many years <laughs> until they were he was able to pay back his taxes. I know. Pretty wild. He was like a teenage millionaire, and he did not know how to handle his finances. But he came through okay, because the because right after he got, you know, harassed by the IRS is when he got signed with NBC to do to do Fresh Prince. And obviously Fresh Prince was a huge deal. It ran for six seasons. Everyone thought it was great television. And I have no problem assuming it was. <laughs> but he definitely the thing that's interesting about Will Smith for me and it's something I've picked up on in like interviews he's done and like something I've always been like curious about is he's very calculated. He's very yes. focused on what he wants and he has like mm-hmm. this vision board that he's trying to bring to pass. And so he said like even with Fresh Prince, he knew he wanted to get into film acting. And so he became a student of like studying these these great actors and like the movies they chose and when they'd release them and what they would do. And like he, he refused to do commercials. Like even though, you know, as a TV actor, he could have gotten tons of money for doing like a Nike ad or something. And he was like, you don't see any of the greats doing commercials. And so instead he kept pushing Fresh Prince to do more serious episodes so that he could sort of make this acting reel of like his scope and his breadth and depth and so he just kept on utilizing what he has to kind of build his next step which is very interesting and it definitely starts to show as you see the movies he picked early on yeah well and it's weird too because it wasn't like oh i want to be an actor let me study great actors it was like oh i want to be an actress let me study like what types of movies yeah. make the most <laughs> money when are they released he had this thing about the top like 10 bestsellers all involved like extensive special effects and a lot of them involved special effects that involved animals so he was like okay I want to be in movies where there's a lot of special effects but also some kind of creature element to it (sighs) which you see in some of his early movies it's very it's very strange how he goes about this and it's sort of for me it's it's a dichotomy where he's very charismatic naturally and Mm -hmm. I think that's why people are gravitate to him and he seems like laid back and very chill but the more i was doing research the more i was like oh no he is there's a (laughs) lot of strategy behind like all of his decisions but it's like weird strategy because it's like it's like oh i'm gonna like look at jim carrey i'm looking at bruce willis tom cruise and he's like looking at foreign sales and realizing that's where the money's at so he has to see what does well overseas, even if it doesn't do as well in the U.S. And it's just very, very, very odd. Well, and then also something that I did not realize is that he was arrested for assault at some point (laughs) as well in this early time period, which for me, again, puts things in different light. It's like, oh, he's not just, you know, happy-go-lucky, charming person. But he like has this he has a level to him that is a little bit darker or more aggressive than I think you naturally think. 
Yeah. I mean, that's something else that's come up. Like there, you have Will Smith, the actor, you have his filmography and all that, which is so fun to get into. But there's also all these like rumors and scan, like pseudo scandals surrounding him with his, both his marriage and his children. And I think you see that like weird dichotomy of personality come out like there because yeah, he seems like a funny, chill, best friend type. But then you hear these stories about his parenting and his the way he talks about his relationship. And there's a lot of that masculine bravado and the like control and the concern about uh, perception and all of this that's just like wild. And it's something that's been on my radar for a while because like, again, Will Smith has been in movies like I've known about him since Independence Day. Like I really have a soft spot for a lot of Will Smith movies, like from the 90s, early 2000s. And so he'd be like on Ellen and I'd always watch it or he'd be doing some interview on like Graham Norton and he's funny. But when you start to look at what he's actually saying, you're like, wait a second. Like, this is weird. Like, it's I mean, and then you have his kids who are obviously Jaden and Willow and they've both been in movies with him and they've both kind of transitioned to different careers. Jaden tried acting. He starred in The Karate Kid. Willow Smith obviously had her huge hit, Whip My Hair, and she went on like tour at age 11. And now her these kids are being more outspoken because we've talked about before, but I sometimes watch the Red Table talk with Jada Pinkett Smith. And so both of the kids have been like, yeah, dad made it really hard for me to feel heard, to feel seen. He kept pushing me, he kept being like, do this, do this, you can't quit. This is going to set you up for life. Like you have to go on tour. You have to do this. And they'd like react in very like physical ways. I mean, Jaden tried to get emancipated, emancipated and um, Willow like shaved her hair off halfway through the tour. She admitted she started cutting herself like all very serious. And so it just kind of does paint this weird picture of Will Smith, the public figure and Will Smith, the private guy. And I don't know if you've, if you've kept up on any of that family drama, but it's just mesmerizing to me. I I feel like I don't know the details of the family drama very well, but I know that Willow and Jaden are both very strange people (laughs) who continue to do weird things and that they have had success at a certain point, but then for whatever reason, didn't really like continue down that same path and are sort of strange. And it always felt weird to me that Will Smith seems fairly like straight laced and clean cut. And then he has these two kids (laughs) that are just kind of like wild, but then it also seems like their family has like has a relationship where they spend a lot of time together and are like involved in each other's lives and projects, which is, is weird given the fact that the kids are so different from the parents. (laughs) I don't know the. I guess we'll get into all of that sort of like more as we move on. But in 1992, Will Smith is in his first movie as like an actual role which seems crazy to me i had never seen this movie (laughs) where the day takes you but i was looking it up on wikipedia and he plays a legless cripple in the movie (laughs) it's like a gang movie and he plays like somebody without legs have you seen this no no it feels like it might be up your alley like (laughs) 90s weird like kind of action movie but kind of not 
Sean Astin is the main character in it. Yeah, I know. So he sort of like starts to branch out and he gets these little bit roles. So I did not, I have not seen Where the Day Takes You in 1992 and then Made in America in 1993. The sperm donor movie where he plays someone (laughs) named T. Cake Walters. (laughs) Again, what are these roles? Trying to branch out into film, you know, it's a hard hard Mm -hmm. jump to make. But it really like, it really took off for him in 1993 when he starred. Well, when he had a he had a role in Six Degrees of Separation, which is another one I didn't get around to watching. But it was one that people were impressed by him, and it was sort of a surprise because he plays a gay con man in an in an all white cast, so he's the only black person in the film. And everyone thought he did a really great job, and he says. He did it because he wanted to surprise people and kind of prove that he had the charisma, the like talent to make that jump from just his sitcom to like more complex roles in cinema. And it is like such a weird blip in his filmography because for the next like decade, really, his films do not go back to that artsy, serious side as easily. So it did what it needed to do. It made everyone more aware of him and respect him as an actor. And um, it got a lot of praise on like the art house circuit. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> you see this, though, in lots of child star careers, not oh, that he's yeah. necessarily a child star. But I feel like there's two routes. You either go if you're successful as a young person and then you want to break out of that big role that you have if you're a girl you just do a nude scene in a movie that's like fairly (laughs) standard like Anne Hathaway did you know you find some random artsy independent movie that'll let you do a nude scene you do a nude scene if you're a man you can't really do the the topless thing so you just have to be gay in a movie like (laughs) Daniel Radcliffe did it Jonathan Taylor Thomas did it I feel like every you just find in any movie where it's like oh you can play gay character and you're not gay so then therefore you're a good actor (laughs) yeah but this one will smith refused to kiss his co-star so uh he got some he got some flack for that homophobia but and he later admitted that it was immature so i doubt he got much flack for it in 1993 (laughs) i'm sure that that was that was flack later (laughs) yeah Yeah. But so 1993, he's still doing, he's doing Fresh Prince up until 96. So he really gets his big break with Bad Boys, which is the Michael Bay film starring Martin Lawrence. And it's sort of a buddy cop comedy. And did you watch this? No, I've never seen this movie. Have so you? So I hadn't, I hadn't seen it until prepping for this episode. I went back and watched it again because as a kid, I wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies, obviously, because you know that eighteen, especially and older. as a four-year-old, yeah. which you were <laughs> yeah. when this came out. So yeah, this never made it circled back into my life, but. It was the first one I watched when I decided I wanted to do Will Smith. And, you know, it's like, okay, it's like a Michael Bay movie. So, you know, you're not getting a lot script wise. You know, you're not getting a lot like story wise. But they do have great like chemistry as this buddy cop character. And I was reading about it and Michael Bay was like, yeah, actually, I didn't really love the script, so I made them improv a lot of it, which <laughs> you could tell. But <laughs> but they, they, it's just like about... It's a really weird Michael Bay film. Well, I guess it just follows his 
par for the course for him because the story just feels really like simultaneously lacking in complexity, but also very cumbersome and like hard to understand. And so it really is just a vehicle for these two cops to like sit in a car and and yell at each other and like, you know, bicker and stuff like an old married couple. So it was funny, like starting in on my Will Smith studies, realizing like, okay, how much is Will Smith like talent and how much is just charisma because this one definitely skews towards oh he's just he's just a funny guy you know but I wouldn't I don't think I'd recommend watching it you know (laughs) it doesn't age well Um, (laughs) but then of course we move into Independence Day which came out in 1996 and defined my childhood basically like i love this movie well this is like clearly in your wheelhouse as i was looking at his filmography i was like this makes sense that shelby would pick this person (laughs) it's a lot of like big action (laughs) end of the world like weird kind of premise kind of things that aren't too dark that are very like fun (laughs) and overblown and like the for the next 10 years he's basically just doing things that are either the beginnings of franchises or are later movies in franchises or things that like could have been franchises had they worked (laughs) out better. Right. They had plans to be a franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is like the start of you have his name in like media was called Mr. July because he'd always have these summer flicks that would come out and just be huge hits at the box office. He like, he really knew what he needed to do. Like we talked about, he had his plan and he wanted to be number one. And he even admits that he started to get so focused on just wanting the number one. He didn't care if the movie was good itself because he knew he could just market. His name would be enough to draw the crowds to get that number one box office. And Independence Day is sort of the start of that because obviously Bad Boys did great. It was like you know, okay reviews, but it made back so much at the box office. And then Independence Day, which is Roland Emmerich, who, like, bless him, pulls together this ensemble cast that includes Bill Pullman, Jeff Goldblum, you know, Randy Quaid, Robert, I think, like, Vivica A. Fox, Harry Connick Jr., just a large Everybody in the 90s who haven't made movies in 10 years. But did you not did you not grow up on this? Do you not like Independence Day? I've never seen Independence Day. And I knew that you had watched it, so I was like, <laughs> I'd feel I'd feel like I don't need to watch this you for this didn't episode. Watch it? No, no. This is oh my gosh, I think we're gonna have to scrap this whole episode and you're gonna go have to study this. This is like peak Will Smith. Oh my gosh. Like I watch it every year, obviously on Independence Day. It is a it is a film that I hold near and dear to my heart and it's actually like a very good film i mean this like this is a big deal this is one academy award for best visual effects like it was considered a huge turning point in like the hall in defining what a hollywood blockbuster is like independence day is why you have like the large-scale disaster films that maybe you love less than me but like everyone has seen like this is the grandfather of <laughs> some of, the of captive state movies yeah i'm so shocked i i just can't believe this but anyways 
It was a huge hit. It would cost like $75 million to make. And in the US alone, it made $300 million in the box office. It has like a 70, I think a 65% on Rotten Tomatoes currently. It was a big deal. And people loved Will Smith in this. Like he wasn't necessarily the leading star. He wasn't top billed. But everyone was like very impressed with his charisma in this show. And you have to watch it to really appreciate it. But he plays sort of like a I don't know, just like this charming um, Air Force pilot who gets embroiled in this alien warfare. And um, he says he studied, you should love this, he really studied Harrison Ford, most notably Uh. as Han Solo, to like understand how to play this part and kind of have that like big attitude energy. So maybe you should check it out. I would definitely (laughs) recommend it. Oh, that just bums me out so much. You know, I'll add it to the list. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> and and it came out in the summer of 1996, which is just as Fresh Prince is wrapping up. So I feel like it, yeah. he timed it well in that he nails this. Now he's a movie star. He's done TV, but now he's a movie star. And he follows it up the next year with Men in Black, which yes. obviously launches this whole huge franchise. It's very successful. I did not watch Men in Black as a child when it came out, mm-hmm. but my family went and saw men in black three when that came out inexplicably. <laughs> Cause we hadn't seen the first two, but enjoyed it so much that then we went back and saw the first two. Oh, so I came good. to, to one and two like much later, but they're oh, okay. very clearly what he had set up as yes. something that he's looking for in a movie. It's like, it's a blockbuster. <laughs> there's lots of visual effects. There's creatures. There's, you know, action scenes, but it's also comedy. I think him and Tommy Lee Jones have a very good chemistry that is like magnetic on screen. Yes. And it's it's always fun to watch Tommy Lee Jones play the curmudgeon against somebody who is like has a lot of energy and is happy go lucky and can just sort of yeah. like annoy him. And that's basically what this whole movie is. <laughs> well, what's crazy is David Schwimmer was originally offered the part of Will Smith's character. So just oh, picture gosh. that for a moment. <laughs> that would be miserable. The a weird yeah. thing that going back and looking at Will Smith's career about this movie is that... Will Smith also now, he hadn't had an album since 1993, which is when his last album with DJ Jazzy Jeff came out. And so then in 1997, he has his first solo album comes out, but it's like tied to the movie in that there's a song (laughs) on the album called Men in Black that is also on the movie that's like at the end of the or that plays during the movie credits and then he does this again with his next (laughs) album with wild wild west and then he does it a third time with the second (laughs) men in black album yeah and it works it does but it's so strange to me that like in today's (laughs) mode of music if somebody has a song that's on or that's going to be in a movie then it goes on the movie soundtrack they don't like put it on their own (laughs) album and try to launch their album off of like oh i have a song in a movie so it's weird that he did this and it sort of works but it also doesn't necessarily (laughs) always it's a weird thing that he does yeah. I mean, it was like, it It was, it's definitely weird, but it fit in that 90s thing where movies had their like theme song that just didn't really make sense. But 
you know, because they didn't have like a full album necessarily. They just had the like random pop song at the end of the movies. And it gave us such good hits like Men in Black and Wild Wild West. And then you had like Kiss from a Rose and, you know, all those movie songs that I just miss all the time. But he made it work and he was raking in the money. You know, he was a renaissance man. He was doing music. He was doing movies. He was done with TV, but you know, he put in a lot of good work. But Men in Black. It just feels to me that as you look at all of the things that he does, they're very clearly (laughs) so that he can get money and become famous. And they're not really at all about like the art of it. Even as we get move on and we get into some of his more like artsy projects, they feel less about like, Oh, I have something to say and more about, Mm -hmm. Oh, I want to like prove to people that I can do something other than comedy and less, (laughs) I'm not even sure if it's necessarily that it's it's like that he can be successful in other areas or he can yeah. use that to like gain more money or success. I don't, it's a weird, there's a yeah, weird element too. to it. It's not, I feel like most big movie stars is like, okay, you're in Avengers because it pays you a lot of money and it lets you do a lot of things. And then you go and you make random, like small, tiny movies that nobody really cares about, but they're passion projects for you. Mm-hmm. But that's not the mode that's going on here. <laughs> and it's not no. even like, Oh, I'm doing this music on the side because I love music. It's like, no, I'm going to do this song that really is just about the movie and about nothing else. (laughs) And I'm going to put it on this album to try to like sell these things in cohesion. Yeah. Yeah. It is weird because it isn't like, it's not like Ariana Grande being like, Oh, I just love writing music so much. I had to come out with two albums at the same time. Bless you fans. But at the same time, like they're still like, they still reached an audience. So it's weird that he programmed, like he figured out exactly what the people wanted and was able to like give just enough of his charisma to make it feel authentic, even though you brush it aside enough and you're like, wait a second, did we just get, did we just get played? I mean, like he had like his son in his music video, just the two of us, um, which is such a cute, you know, music video and song and you watch it and you care about it and you play it because you get a piece of that like Will Smith the the like guy you fell in love with on the movie screen and so it just like it is weird to start to realize like oh wait he's treating his fandom as this like machine that he knows how to like process information through to like get the best results and it isn't necessarily like he cares about the roles he's picking he cares about the music he's putting out and maybe he does but there's not enough like heart in it to feel truly authentic when you pull back the curtain enough so it is like but that being said willinium you know has some good hits on it and it's a clever title so props to him for (laughs) so after so 1997 is men in black 1998 he has enemy of the state which is like a con like a nsa like political thriller i've never seen it is it any good have you seen it yeah no i mean it's good it was ahead of its time in the like in the scope of it was right when people were starting to get paranoid about um, the NSA and, and the government watching you and all that stuff. So he gets sort of framed by the government for this cover up and um, has to go on the run. And it did really well. I mean, it, it was, it's ranked 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it made double its money in the U S let alone going global. And so people enjoyed it. It was, I forgot about it, but I've definitely seen it because this was right up my dad's alley of 
as far as military, like government films of the 90s. So, <laughs> And also at this time, so he had married his first wife in 1992 and has their oldest, his oldest son, Trey, who, mm-hmm. which by the way, Will Smith's real name is Willard Carroll Smith II. <laughs> and so his... His son Trey's real name is Willard Carroll Smith the third, but he goes by Trey, which really has nothing to do with any of those names. That's neither here nor there. In 1997, he marries Jada Pinkett Smith, and then in yes. 1998, Jaden is born. So that's where we are. He's married, has a new baby <laughs> coming into 1999, which is Wild Wild West. Another well, movie I have not a, seen. This is such a big moment because Will Smith has famously said he knew he always wanted to marry Jada and like on his wedding day to Cherie, he was crying because he felt like he'd made such a huge mistake, but he doesn't believe in divorce. So he conveniently had to wait until Cherie realized, oh wait, this guy doesn't love me. I'm going to divorce him. And then he immediately, the way he tells the story is he immediately, after signing the divorce papers, called up Jada and was like, hey, are you seeing anyone? Good. You're seeing me now. And then the rest is history. And they've been married for like, I don't remember, 20, 20, 30 years. 21, 22? (laughs) Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So another scandal in the Will Smith life story. But Wild Wild West really does kind of, it's the funniest blip in his career. And it truly was an atrocious movie. I watched it for this, for this episode. And there's something delightful about its campiness now. Like it's sort of like discovering the room for the first time and thinking, wow, they thought this was good. And so there's something like enjoyable about it. But at the time it was just hated. It got like 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It didn't make back its like budget. It was a huge, huge budgeted film. People thought this was going to be a huge deal. It included like new sort of CGI effects that hadn't been done yet. There was so much money poured into this. And it was a vehicle for Will Smith, who was Mr. July. He gave up. This is the best factoid is he turned down the role of Neo in the Matrix because he believed in Wild Wild West. So it could have been totally different for him. And he has said now that he doesn't regret turning down Neo, of course, because like Keanu Reeves did such a great job and like he could never have done that. Oh, yeah, of course. But Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) nothing but support. But I mean... Every he even admits now that Wild Wild West was when he realized like he had misread the room and he said it hurts so bad to be the number one movie to open at fifty two million and know deep down the movie wasn't any good. <laughs> and so he like knew this was a bad movie, but he also knew his name would carry it, it forward enough that he would still make the number one box office and he did. And so it didn't break his streak as Mr. July. And he still made a bunch of money from it. But it is the worst movie I have watched in recent years, like decades even. But I think this is sort of a dip for him where he's coming mm-hmm. on a high of like a couple good movies in a row. And then he has this, which doesn't necessarily do very well. In 2000, he has comes out with what I think is his first attempt at like being an Oscar candidate in the legend of bagger vance which i watched and it's directed by robert redford it's 
this old timey golf, like old timey golfer movie with Charlize Theron and Matt Damon and Will Smith is in a supporting role as mm-hmm. Bagger Vance, who's sort of like this magical golf caddy <laughs> who just like shows up one night to help Matt Damon win this b- huge golf tournament. And and he's kind of like a Nanny McPhee figure in like, when when you need me, I will be here. You no longer need me. He like leaves at the, yeah. in the middle of this big tournament because Matt Damon doesn't need him anymore. He can golf <laughs> on his own. And the movie got some flack for sort of having like like magical, like minstrel African-American figure <laughs> in it. Say. Which watching it. I can sort of see, but also it's sort of just like Nanny McPhee with golf and Nanny yeah. McPhee happens to be black in the movie, but it doesn't do well. He like nobody, it doesn't get any Oscar traction despite the fact that it's from Robert Redford. And it's a very like beautiful, well put together movie. It just sort of falls flat. Yeah. And then you also have at the same time that his like music is sort of starting <laughs> to not do as well where his earlier albums had been, you know, like debuted at number right. one. He has his next two albums don't have really big hits on them and they don't necessarily debut very well. And, and I think this is sort of like the quiet before the storm and the fact that he then comes out with a whole like slew of things in the mid to late 2000s that are all that that are all sort of go gangbusters yeah it's sort of weird because yeah when i was looking at these movies i was like wait will smith hasn't been in a lot of good movies but his movies have done well so he does still get away with being called like a box office king and like he pulls in these numbers so it's like the early 2000s were kind of peppered with bad movies, but they were still very successful movies. So it's a hard, it's a hard line to dance. You know, he, I mean, I mean, first in 2001, he stars in Ali, which gets him a best Oscar, best actor nomination. And I honestly don't know how I watched <laughs> that this week. And one, I mean, one, that movie's not a good movie. It's, it's two and a half style. hours long. Yeah. It's so long. It's back when they used to do the biopics where uh, it would be like, we're telling the whole life story. And now they don't really do that anymore. They sort of focus on like a very specific piece because they realize that works well better for a movie. But this is trying to encompass his whole career. It mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense. The characters like come in and out. It, it's sort of structured <laughs> around these fights, it's, but it's yeah. hard to invest. And Will Smith is basically just doing this one like vocal cadence of Muhammad Ali's <laughs> the entire time. And I think that really the reason why he was nominated is because in the years in the couple years previous there was sort of like one of those oscar so white campaigns and so for this year in 2001 they were really like okay we gotta get some like color (laughs) into this team so they decided that they were going to give an honorary oscar to sydney portier who is the famously the only person to win best actor who is of color previous to denzel washington he won it in 1963 so they're like okay we're gonna give him an honorary award and then they nominate denzel washington and will smith both for best actor denzel washington obviously wins and goes on to give that famous (laughs) speech but i sort of feel like in the landscape will smith only got that nomination 
because they were sort of like looking around for somebody to give one to. And he's like, oh, someone who's really likable, who's in a big movie, who is like playing a famous person that we also really like in Muhammad Ali. And that's why he gets this nomination. But the movie doesn't really win, (laughs) doesn't win anything and isn't nominated for anything outside the acting categories. Well, plus, this is like another point in his career where he shows his hand and he was like, yeah, I really studied what won Oscars because I knew that's what I wanted to go for next. And it was always it was always someone disabled or a fame or like a real person. And so he chose And he was Ali. already the, the yeah. cripple, uh, the legless cripple <laughs> that didn't legless, work. Yeah. So he's like, OK, I'll do this. And it's people thought he did a good job. And I'm sure some of that was just this cultural need to praise. But and he was still like a likable guy who I think people wanted to see succeed. So they were more willing to like go along with it at this point. Um, but it is a weird movie to watch now. And it isn't like a good film. It's not enjoyable, at least, because it's it's a very weird style and it's hard to get into. And he does just feel kind of like he's just doing this like trope of Muhammad Ali. It just doesn't exactly feel real. And it just it comes off very forced. But you know, he got nominated and that's what he wanted. So, <laughs> yeah, I guess. But I think at this point in his career, he realizes, okay, I've been making some bad mistakes. I need some like <laughs> to get back on the good side. So he goes in two years in a row or in the same year makes Men in Black 2 and Bad Boys 2. It's yeah. kind of like, a, oh, remember me? I had these <laughs> big blockbusters. Yes, which is something he does multiple times in his career as we'll see and these movies were just okay i mean they really didn't have the critical success that the originals had had i mean even with bad boys the first one not doing that well this one did even worse and um the next movie i really cared about was the 2004 i robot which (laughs) i knew that this was gonna be a movie you loved (laughs) i was like this is a shelby movie all over it Again, I've never seen it, but I was like, Shelby movie. Okay, next time we choose someone for this, you have to admit when you've like never seen their biggest hits. Like, iRobot is another really interesting vehicle because it's sort of like an art. Is iRobot Will Smith's biggest hit? I don't think so. I think his biggest hits are still like coming up the line, and I have seen (laughs) all of those. I'm looking up coming up the line. I mean, yeah, I guess, but this is one of them. Okay, let's play a game called What Are Will Smith's Known For on IMDb? Do you know what this is? <laughs> um, is that is that a game or you're asking me yeah, if so I it's know a the game. ones he's known for? Yeah, so it's a game. How it works is like you would look up the person on IMDb and there's four films that says that they're known for and then it lists <laughs> all their filmography. So these are supposedly like the things that, that people okay, would okay, okay, recognize okay, Will Smith okay, for. Okay, 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 okay. I know it. It's Independence Day. Nope. It's... What? This list is trash. <laughs> okay, so how is this list picked? Is it just by search results? Like how often someone searches for the... Yeah, I think that's how... It, there's some kind of okay. algorithm. Okay, well then I guess I'm going to go with Pursuit of Happiness. Nope. What? <laughs> okay, third try. Um, Let me just look at this filmography really fast. I Am Legend. Yes. Okay. I'm going to... Uh, After Earth? No. Dang it. I thought maybe it would be searched a lot. I don't know. Just tell me. Men in Black. 
I oh, think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obvious. Fresh Prince, also oh, obvious. Oh, I am I legend. Didn't think about that. And then somehow Wild Wild West is on here, which I fully <laughs> don't know how that happened. But so then, what was your point? My point is just. <laughs> Well, I didn't. I hadn't looked this up beforehand, yeah, but I was okay, like, I see. So you proved whatever. nothing. <laughs> I thought for sure Hitch would be one of them. I feel like Hitch is the. Will I Smith would have movie. guessed that next. Yes. So we'll I Robot, I Robot is a good film, and it was an interesting film in that basically it was a script that was sort of an Agatha Christie inspired murder mystery that all takes place in one room in one evening. And they were like, listen, we love this like idea, but you have to make it a little bit more engaging for a film audience for a big budget studio film. And so they kind of floored the world a little bit more. And I think it's actually a really good robot movie if you're into those sort of like artificial intelligence and like do do these things we create have souls? Do they have, you know, intelligence, that sort of thing. Plus, there's a cameo from Shia LaBeouf. So always worth checking out. But wow. then, of course, 2005, he finally tries a romantic comedy and he nails it in Hitch, which was a big deal in my circle. And I was surprised to see it didn't do as well as I thought it did. I'm not sure how well it did like in theaters at the time. But yeah. Hitch, I think, is a movie that I I often say that there's like basic white boy movies and basic white girl <laughs> movies that are like if you ask them what their favorite movie is, this is what their answer will be. And if you ask a, a white guy what his favorite movies are, it is Shawshank Redemption, The Dark Knight, and Hitch. Those are the three <laughs> movies. And what guy is going to admit? What basic white guy is going to admit that they like a rom com? Well, it's because Hitch is like, it's a rom-com, but it's from the (laughs) guy's perspective. So it's like, oh, that bee sting scene is really funny. He gets the girl at the end. There's the dancing. Kevin James is pretty entertaining in it. Who who is the girl in it? Is it Eva? Eva Um, Yes. Yeah. So she's great. I feel like that movie it plays on cable all the time. Like there's no, there's no reason not to like Hitch. And I think it sets well, there's off some like, reasons not to like Hitch, but it's fine. I'm sure there's reasons why you don't <laughs> like Hitch, but I feel like it's I mean, fairly some people, there's fairly a, a, a growing per se crowd of people who maybe draw issue with the idea of a man manipulating a woman, telling her what she wants that she doesn't know she wants, you know? So there's yes, some okay. room for criticism in there. The, yeah, okay. So in the post-2016 world, yes. Maybe we yeah, can go I back mean. and find it. But in general, it's like there's no... There's nothing... It's family-friendly. Like, scandalizing. Yeah. Right. Yes, it's very family-friendly. I watched right. this, I think, maybe in theaters even, which is <laughs> yeah. saying something. It made the cut. Yeah. And then he flexes his his emotional muscle, which... With, I think, your favorite Will Smith movie, Pursuit of Happiness. You know, I really liked Pursuit of Happiness when I saw it originally mm-hmm. in the I am pretentious and only like highbrow <laughs> films, but I can't watch R-rated movies yet. And so this right. is like one of the few kind of Oscar things I can watch in 2006 when it comes out. So I definitely really liked it. Looking back on it, I think it, if I saw it again, I'd probably think it's a little too sappy. But 
he does when a good he job that in it. job you know when he yeah he finds out he got the job and he's just like fist pumps in the crowd and it's just like the music swells and you're like oh my gosh you know well, and that scene in the in the like subway bathroom i feel like that's the oh, scene yeah. that got him the with oscar that, nomination with that tear that just rolls down his cheek and he's just like his lips quivering and he's holding his son and closing the door with his foot yeah it sticks with you and I was I was listening to another podcast about Will Smith and sort of his like Oscar attempts because that's what I was clearly <laughs> keyed in on on this podcast. And they were saying that pe- they thought that Will Smith would have would probably have an Oscar if he hadn't have had his two real big acting successes in years where other African Americans had even bigger successes because <laughs> yeah. Forrest Whitaker this year beats him out for the last King of Scotland in everything. He like sweeps all of mm. the acting categories, despite the fact that that movie doesn't necessarily do amazingly. And I think that, yeah, like Will Smith is good, but up against somebody who is clearly outgunning him, he just like yeah. doesn't have enough chops to get over the finish line. Yeah. And once you start to watch a lot of Will Smith's movies in a row, you're kind of like, oh, wait, this is just Will Smith. You know, like he's not a very great actor. And it's sort of what's interesting about him is like he rides on his charisma, even in these like sad, sappy movies. He's constantly just playing this two note Will Smith version of whoever he's playing in these movies. And at first glance, like, yeah, you watch Pursuit of Happiness, you get emotional. You're like, oh, my gosh, he's such a good actor. But then you watch him in I Am Legend the following year and you're like, wait, he's doing like the same thing. You know, it's just it starts to feel a little bit one note. Did you watch I Am Legend? I have seen I Am Legend and that's another huge hit. So I think when you have Hitch, The Pursuit of Happiness and I Am Legend and then in 2008 you have Hancock like back to back. (laughs) It's it's we don't count Hancock as a success, do we? I think that was a huge success when it came out. I hated it so much. I mean, I didn't necessarily love it either, but I think that those are four movies where they're different genres of movies, and he succeeds in all of them back to back to back to back without any really duds in there, despite Mm -hmm. the fact that he is not necessarily an amazing actor. So this, for me, is like peak Will Smith (laughs) in this era And the strangest thing to me is that he then, I think, makes his third run at Oscar with Seven Pounds, (laughs) which is a notoriously horrible movie that doesn't get anything. But then he just disappears and is gone, like fully gone. Well, because his ego couldn't handle it. Like, that's the thing is he he built his whole career over this like one this like box office number one persona. Like, that's what he wanted. He got his. He got his Hollywood star in 2007, right before I Am Legend. I Am Legend was a huge success. People liked Hancock, I guess. If you're really into that, I hated it. But so he was riding this high of being like, oh, yeah, I did it. I read all the right things. I pursued all the right hits. Like, this is it. I'm number one. Like, good to be me. And then Seven Pounds, which I frankly enjoyed more than most people it really ruined his his like self-esteem i guess he really took a hit in the ego there 
and uh, he went into hiding. Well, he got some Razzies for it. <laughs> yeah. You know, he was like, I think this maybe was his first movie in a long time, if yeah. ever, that he was publicly maligned for. And oh, the, yeah. the crazy thing is, like, going back to The Pursuit of Happiness. So in 2008, I am what, like 16, I guess, maybe 15. Mm-hmm. And I am, again, like, very keyed in on, okay, Oscars and what's winning, but I can't see R rated movies yet. And I had watched <laughs> The Pursuit of Happiness and loved it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, seven pounds. Like Will Smith, such a good actor. He was so great in The Pursuit of Happiness. This movie seems right up my alley. I'm going to go see it. I went and saw it in theaters and like hated it, but didn't (laughs) fully realize like that I was allowed to not like it because I thought, oh, everybody's going to love this movie. It's very (laughs) cool and it's going to win a lot of awards things. And so I remember going to school and being like, oh, you guys didn't like Seven Pounds. You guys just didn't understand it. It's a really good movie. Like people who are really sophisticated love Seven Pounds. (laughs) And it was only like years later that I realized, oh, everybody hated this movie. You were the only one who was pretentious enough to try to (laughs) defend it. I liked it a little bit. I mean, it has a great cast. Rosario Dawson is great in it. Woody Harrelson has a weird bit role in it. Um, And it's sort of a weird concept. Carrie Washington is is blind? Is she in it? No. Woody Harrelson is the blind one. What is Carrie Washington blind in? She plays a blind person in some movie. I don't think she's in this. Maybe she's not. Maybe I'm getting this mixed up. I'm looking up blind Carrie Washington. (laughs) She's blind in a movie. I swear. I thought it was this one. Maybe it's not. Carrie Washington blind. What movie is this? People are listening to this and going, "I oh, Fantastic Four. Basically the same (laughs) movie. Okay. (laughs) This is at least like trying to be a step above Fantastic Four, you know? So, yes, Carrie Washington has her moment. Maybe we can revisit her role in in Fantastic Four later. Yeah. But Seven Pounds really, really takes a crap on Will Smith's legacy. And he just like disappears straight up, doesn't do music, isn't acting, isn't really promoting anything. I think at this time, is sort of when his children are sort of taking over. Like, isn't this when Karate Kid comes yes. out? And Karate like, Kid comes out in 2010, which he is a producer yeah. for. And he's also yeah. a producer for This Means War, that terrible Chris <laughs> Pine, like Reese Witherspoon <laughs> yeah. movie in 2012. So bad. Yeah. Oh. And then Willow Smith, of course, she had her, he had to play stage dad for her tour at this time. I'm pretty sure it was around here too. Because I loved that song. I I, I feel like that song was popular, though, when I was in college. And that would have been... Well, I guess... Yeah, maybe that's this. Yeah, no, that's yeah. right around Yeah, yeah. Here. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm an idiot. Yeah, no. Yes. <laughs> We're old. Yeah. <laughs> that happened. Anyways, he finally comes back to the scene in 2012 with a sequel. So a safe bet. Mission, Men in Black 3. And um, this was a much better received one than Men in Black 2. And it it was actually the best of the trilogy, and um, people loved it. You you saw yeah. it and fell in love with it. Was him, great. So. <laughs> My family loved it, and we went back and watched two other yeah. movies. So and people there were you like, go. "Oh man, Will Smith is back!" You're like, yes, this will be so. We get the fun, charismatic Will. He's having a good time. Can't wait to see what he do net does next. And what does he pull out after Earth? And this is 
this is when I think I became obsessed with like Will Smith as a human because after Earth 2013, this is like when everything is coming out about like Scientology and like people think Will and Jada are Scientologists. They watch this movie. Everyone thinks this is a this is a testament to like his Scientology beliefs. There's a lot of parallels to the to the you know Scientology method and whatever. It even mimics the book cover of the the like book the Scientologist guy wrote. Just a lot of stuff. And I went and saw this movie already hearing it was the worst and we went and hate watched it and it it was just delightfully bad so you just watched this though did you have any any thoughts (laughs) yeah so i watched this because i am doing a full it's a long slog of m night Shyamalan (laughs) rewatches so i'm like watching all of his movies and i didn't realize that this was a movie he directed but it is but the thing i think the reason why people put so much on it from the scientology perspective is that the movie makes zero sense whatsoever and is a very strange setup it's a weird (laughs) storyline in the way that it happens and i think in order to make sense of it people were looking they're like well nobody could have just come up with this on their own it has to be because it's hiding weird scientology in it i think that in fact it's just a bad movie i think that m night Shyamalan makes weird stuff will smith (laughs) makes weird things the strange thing about this movie though is that it's sort of Build as Will Smith and Jaden stranded on Earth sometime in the future having to survive. But the actuality of it is that it's like this: their spaceship crashes on Earth. Will Smith has a busted leg, so basically just has to hang out in the spaceship <laughs> while Jaden like travels around this jungle world yes. and kind of just talks to Will Smith on an intercom. But they both have weird accents, and Will Smith yeah. is doing nothing in the acting front other than just sitting in this chair. Like he, <laughs> I think he might have filmed all of his scenes in maybe two or three days. Like he's yeah, not well, even in the movie that I much. I mean, yeah, that's what's crazy is like. I mean, first of all, this is like Will Smith is credited with part of the story idea. But his original story was, oh, a father and son get in a car accident in the woods and like the father has to stay while the son goes to try and find help. But then Will Smith wanted to do a movie with Shyamalan and was like, what do you think of this idea? And they were like, yes, but let's punch it up make it a thousand years after humanity has abandoned earth. We'll have this really like elaborate set. It'll be super cool. Like, won't this be amazing to kind of explore like fear versus danger. And it just becomes bad for everyone involved because the whole idea is that to survive on the planet humanity has gone to live on after earth sort of kicked them out they've had to face these creatures that can smell fear. And so the elite among them, such as Will Smith, have to turn off all emotions so that they can just like not feel fear. And so thus, Will Smith has to just show zero, emote zero, like anything. He doesn't give anything to the screen by virtue of being this guy who has zero emotion. So I guess in one way it may it proved he was a good actor, but in a totally real way it showed that this story just would not work on the screen because they both just came across so clunky, so awkward. Their script was so stilted. There was no emotion 
because they vanquished emotion in their premise. So it really just did not work. The only good part about this entire movie is the fact that Zoe Kravitz is in it. And she is just like a national treasure. I think she is so good in everything she does. And yeah. and she is only, she's like Will Smith's daughter who was killed at some point earlier on. And so she's only really in these flashbacks. And the flashbacks are like the most vivid, exciting part of the whole movie. Because she has yeah. so much energy in comparison to the rest of the family that is like just dead on screen (laughs) yeah and it's crazy because i mean this was also when m night Shyamalan was sort of facing his decline and then trying to come back but they didn't mention him in any of the promotions he was not on any of the posters he was not listed in any of the like promotional like interviews materials whatever nothing it was a surprise that he directed this film and so it was sort of a joke at the time that Either he knew it was so bad he didn't want to be associated or they knew he was so bad that they didn't want to be associated with him. And it turned out it was just not good for anyone. But this is also when Will Smith like realized like, oh, this hurts. Like I am a failure. (laughs) And he said like it absolutely destroyed him that it did so poorly because it got like 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's his least well-reviewed film, even compared to Wild Wild West. And it didn't make back its money at least until I think it made it back worldwide. But in the US, it only made $60 million against its $130 million budget. And it was just like the most painful failure of his career is what he said is just that he dragged his son into this movie that didn't work. He dragged his name across like he was the he was credited for this producing for the story and he just like ruined his name with this movie and the poor guy really took it hard. But I think ruined it bad. to a point that still hasn't Oh yeah. <laughs> like he hasn't been able to recover yeah. from this. In 2015 he has Focus, which is a movie I had fully never heard of before looking this up <laughs> where despite the fact that it came yeah. out as I was an adult and could have gone and seen it, it's him and Margot Robbie in like a con man oh, movie. A, Did you yeah, see this when gro- it came out? I just watched it. It's like gross. He, there's a 22 year age difference between them, so it's like it's a hot mess anyways. It does not make any sense. Don't watch it. <laughs> Also in 2015, he comes out with Concussion, which is a movie that I just watched and he was nominated for a Golden Globe for, not nominated for an Oscar. And I really liked this movie. (laughs) I think it might be my favorite of his performances. You discovered football was bad during this movie. This was your... I knew I knew football was bad, but it's interesting (laughs) that basically it's the story of the NFL trying to cover up the fact that all of their players are getting these concussions and going crazy and dying because they have all of this head trauma. And they're the the NFL basically is saying, well, you know, if they have mental illness, it's not related to the head trauma. It's related to the fact that, you know, they didn't handle their money well or whatever. But in actuality, it's that these people's brains have been hit so many times that they're like are unable to remember (laughs) things. They're unable to process stuff. They think they see things they don't. They get angry. They can't sleep. And so a lot of them end up committing suicide. And Will Smith plays this doctor who is from Africa and is sort of like investigating this haphazardly. It's in it's set in Pittsburgh and kind of stumbles upon the fact that 
this is a problem and thinks, oh, I'm doing the NFL a service by showing them that there's this <laughs> issue and maybe they'll be able to change some things and make the sport better when in actuality and the NFL knew all this all along. Will Smith does a fine job acting in it. Mostly it's this accent that he's doing, which is whatever. <laughs> he's done accents in a lot of movies. The thing that appealed to me most of all is the fact that I recently had a concussion. <laughs> I hit my head getting off a bus. I think we've mentioned this on the podcast before. And yeah. It was miserable. I had headaches and like was very tired and lethargic and depressed for several months after this happened. And I only hit my head getting off a bus. So the fact that these people have this uh, like feeling for years and years and years and consistently are getting more and more head trauma. I was like, obviously this is a problem. Like (laughs) I too would drink Drano if I had 95 concussions in a row, like miserable. And I don't understand why the NFL is still letting people play at all. Why children are letting, or why parents are letting their children play football. Take a stand, Matt. (laughs) I know. Never, never, ever will my children play that sport. No. Wow. That was a big moment for you. Like thank heavens for Will Smith for educating you. Without How him and Alec known? Baldwin in a supporting role, I, there's no way I would have ever realized. Yeah, that's great. I'm glad you had that moment. Um, it was the one good, one semi-good, well-received film in, a, in the following slew of very bad ones. So he did, but it also didn't make a lot of money and didn't yeah. get a lot of press. It was well, a very sort of like it, a quiet, it's probably his quietest movies. Yeah. Yeah, There's and it was sort of proof there. that like he was no longer like a guarantee. Like you couldn't bet yeah. on him bringing in the box office dollars. But Suicide Squad was great commercially, but critically was a huge failure and one of the most painful movies I've had to sit through. And honestly, I regret spending my time watching it. It was so bad, and I would recommend everyone avoid this film. But they're making a second one, so. I guess, but I don't think talks. Will Smith is in the second one. No, Will Smith knew well enough to leave it alone, which is interesting because actually, according to his early career, he should stay with this because it is making money. It is a huge commercial success. But instead, he's like, you know what? Nah, I don't think so. I'm gonna make a second. <laughs> I'm gonna make a third. Bad Boys, a fourth Bad Boys. Uh, is he in the Men in Black sequel or no? He's not. No. Oh, but he's doing a bright sequel, which is a bad decision, but we'll see how it goes. And um, you have, so there's After Earth in 2013, Focus in 2015, Suicide Squad in 2016, (laughs) and Collateral Beauty, which is like a notoriously (laughs) bad bad. grab at an Oscar ensemble movie that did horrifically. It was so bad. Then... I think Netflix is basically like, okay, who is lying around not really doing anything but a big enough name that we might be able to get to do a movie on Netflix? (laughs) And so they get Will Smith to be in this like alien cop movie, Bright, which was sort of Netflix's (laughs) first big foray into like big budget movies of some variety. It's the most expensive movie to date. Yeah, it didn't necessarily do super well. And so I think that's why they haven't really (laughs) made more of those movies. They've stuck with these smaller ones that are a lot cheaper. Yeah. Yeah. So really, he hasn't been doing well. But what's crazy is he's still been in the news. And obviously, this year, we're getting Aladdin. We're getting Gemini Man. 
he's being more out there, but he's also been riding this wave of just, oh, I'm Will Smith. He started his own YouTube channel where he's doing like Will Smith's bucket list where each video he does something on his bucket list. Like he jumped out of an airplane and he did stand up for the first time and he swam with sharks. And so it's all kind of like very inward now where it's very self-congratulatory. He's almost been like, you know what? I'm not succeeding anymore. So I guess I should just reflect on how well I had it, you know, in my heyday. And so when he's on like carpool karaoke, it's not for new music. It's so he can sing summertime again. When he's like hanging out with his son, Jaden, who's doing his own music, he's like, hey, let's do like my old stuff as well. And it's sort of just like become this cringy, like dad reliving the glory days persona. And I don't know if he'll ever get out of it. Like, I think this is it. Well, I was thinking about that in the Oscar terms because, you know, I'm always thinking oh, about yeah, the Oscars. And and he's so he's had like sort of three semi-successful attempts at trying to win one. And I was like, do I think that he'll come back and get one eventually? And I think that he could. He's <laughs> the type of actor who I think at a certain point, like people seem to like him and he has enough like stuff under his belt that I think he could win given the right role. But I don't know if he has the acting chops or sort of the mode to go for yeah. something that's going to push him in a way that gets him the role i sort of feel like if he wins if he ever wins an oscar it will be him as like a 75 year old man (laughs) in the supporting category like not really doing a lot necessarily but just sort of like being old and in camera and people liking him and him having a long career and them thinking well there's really nobody else this year let's give him the supporting oscar yeah it's sort of interesting like it's kind of sad it's like he really made an effort to study what would work to get him the money to get him the accolades and yet it's sort of backfiring on him in a way that he realizes like in 2016 in an interview he was like the power has like gone away from the marketers like my career has been strictly about being able to sell my products but the power has gone away and is now in the hands of the audience. And so he's like, wait, you guys are free thinking. You guys know what you want to see. And I don't know how to tell you what you want to see anymore because you don't trust me. You don't listen to me. And he's sort of like floundering. And I just, I think watching all these movies again, I'm just sort of like, well, maybe the best is behind him. Like, is Will Smith a good actor? Like, I don't know. It's sort of like a hard question to answer because he's had good movies, but I don't know if that's like thanks to anything special he's doing, you know? But if he is surviving mostly off of his charisma, (laughs) then it makes sense that he would just be kind of a YouTube star now because that's where those type of people live. People with big personalities who don't necessarily have a lot of like (laughs) acting skill, just go on YouTube and they're fun to watch and they do crazy things and that's where they're successful. So maybe that's what Will Smith needs to do. Maybe he needs to start a podcast (laughs) where other unsuccessful (laughs) people go. He's like, he appears on the Red Table Talk because he knows that people want to know him. Like it's not working to act. No one's falling for it anymore. So he's like, okay, I'm going to push my kids. I'm going to push this family guy persona. I'm going to be on YouTube saying like, hey, look at me. Isn't this fun to like get to see me? And it is very like indulgent. But I think he's found the right 
avenue for his success, you know? That is so interesting. Yeah. Mm. Good just, old Will. Yeah. It's <laughs> just like a fall from a fall from like grace, I guess, but also like he's managed to figure out a new a new uh, road to take, you know? He's continuing to try and suss out what will get him those dollar bills. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see, like, how Gemini Man does, how Aladdin does. I don't necessarily have a lot of hope for either of those movies, (laughs) but I think that people are sort of coming in with lower expectations. So if it does turn out, oh, these are actually really good or Will Smith is really good in them, that could be a big... Well, even looking at those choices, it's like Aladdin, he's just playing that like men in black character. He's playing the really charismatic Will Smith. And in Gemini Man, he's playing literally a young version of himself. Like it's like he's riding on the nostalgia people feel for him. He's giving them the great hits of like Will Smith's career, you know. So I don't know if they'll work critically, but I think he knows exactly what he's doing. If you had to put like three Will Smith movies in a time capsule and like <laughs> in a million years, people will only be able to watch these three movies that he's in. What would you say are his like best three or most important three movies? Okay, I guess I would say <laughs> that's what's weird is looking at his list. I'm like, do I actually love any of these? I love and I think Independence Day 100% for sure. Yes, put that in there. Save it for generations to come. I guess I would also do I Am Legend and then probably, I don't know, I guess Men in Black, just for the like, just the pure range of his his character in there. It's just joyful. What would yeah, you do? I don't know. I don't know if Men in Black has been his most successful, like money wise. But yeah. for me, that feels like the like the franchise yeah. that he'll be remembered for yeah. like that's his and the most successful you know, indiana jones is, or star yeah. wars or whatever <laughs> yeah suicide squad is the most financially successful so but we don't Ugh, need that well, we don't want to say that. that yeah <laughs> so maybe men in black i don't know i liked concussion i thought that was an interesting <laughs> movie really blew your mind man yeah I don't know. I've never seen Independence Day. <laughs> Maybe Hitch, you know? <laughs> yeah. That'll, or Shark Tale. We never really talked about yeah. Shark Tale, but... <laughs> That's true. We brushed over his animated foray. I mean, it's just such an interesting filmography to like really look at it and think, this is such a weird mess. It's like, there's a lot of sequels, a lot of films that did not do well, a lot of movies that are very wildly different from the last. And it's just like, it's just such a crazy trajectory he took. I don't know. What's interesting for me, and maybe this is like pure sexism, maybe it's like (laughs) a level of charisma, is to compare his filmography with Anne Hathaway's filmography, where she is constantly like proving that, oh, I can do this genre. I can do this genre. I can bring it in all of these different types of roles and all of these different types of movies. And people are like, yeah, but you're really annoying and (laughs) you're actually not that talented. And these movies actually aren't that good. And yet Will Smith (laughs) is really bringing like just the same energy over and over and over again. And yet people are like, remember him i think if you just like off off the top of your head like what do you think about will smith they're like oh he's really good he's in so many things he's such a great actor where anne hathaway i think you would get a much more mixed reaction oh yeah it's true it's like will smith it was actually second least i don't remember how they term it but it's like 
he brings in the least amount of money for how much he costs compared to like he's second behind Johnny Depp. So that's like the company he's keeping these days. And yet people still currently or like like all time currently. So like last year, this ranking came out for the year. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And so it's like, that's like who he's riding with. And yet people would still be like, oh, Wilson is a good actor. Yeah. He's great. I love Will Smith. Yeah. Well, Will Smith and Johnny Depp both had periods where like everything they touched turned to gold and they could do no wrong. And it's just now they are. But then the problem with both of them, I think, is that they only have one mode. So once you kind of get tired of that mode and you've (laughs) seen it in various forms, you're like, okay, I don't need to see weird Johnny Depp anymore. I've seen it in 15 movies and it was cool the first five times, but now it's not exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. And it is like, I knew I wanted to pick a male actor because I was just like, it is so interesting how the conversation switches. Like, obviously, Will Smith has had like scandals, I guess, or rumors about Scientology or like his relationship with Jada. Is it open marriage? I don't know. But it's like nowhere near the like half the haters or the Jennifer Lawrence switch where suddenly everything she does is she's so annoying. This is so awful. Ew, canceled. Will Smith gets chance after chance after chance and he's doing mediocre film after mediocre film and people are still in love enough with like Men in Black, Independence Day, whatever it is that they're like, oh yeah, he's good enough. Like It's like, we'll give him a chance, you know? Why not? Will Smith, love him. Jennifer Lawrence would be such a good person to do an episode <laughs> in. I, I kind of feel like she doesn't have enough stuff yet, but yeah, maybe in like five years. Yet. Yeah. <laughs> But obviously, I can talk about Will Smith all day, which is maybe surprising to all of our listeners. But he's just such an enigma. I don't know. I don't think it's that surprising. (laughs) I think that when you think Shelby and the movie Shelby's (laughs) likes, they're like big budget, uh, action-y kind of thing. But. But like that's like if there's a distinctive thing that like most people don't <laughs> like that you're very into, it's that. And that is where Will Smith excels, like these big summer like blockbuster yes. movies. Yes. I know. It's like he had some good hits and I'm grateful for them. But I wish he would go back to that and stop being like the bereaved husband or father of a dead girl or a sad broken man who's you know, looking for something to fill the void in his life. Like he needs to let that go and go back to his roots and try again. But (laughs) I am shocked that he is not going to be in the new men in black movie. Like I know that he said he didn't want to, but that feels like, I mean, like back when the third one came out, he said he wouldn't do any more, but this franchise, I feel like this movie is going to be amazing. Tessa Thompson and Chris Hemsworth, they're both like at their peak right now. And to not want to be in that is like a, (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe he wasn't know, like, invited, you know? <laughs> a bit player. Yeah, but it feels like if he wanted to be in it, he could have, like, shoehorned his way. Yeah. But we'll have some Will Smith movies to probably unpack on our podcast later this year. So this isn't the last we've yes. heard of him. So we'll have to keep, keep, keep our tabs on how this goes for him. Yeah, we got Aladdin and Gemini <laughs> Man. Uh, I can't wait to hear him sing. Yeah. <laughs> Do you well, think, he's a Grammy do you think he'll relaunch his rap career by yeah, he'll doing have a, a new album. Aladdin I movie tie-in? You know, I think he said he was working on new music, but I don't know if it's a uh, if it's gonna be tied in with the movie. 
Maybe. He could go up against Beyonce for that Oscar this year. <laughs> yeah, best original song. He'll be on that Oscar stage if he can help it. Well, if he can't win for acting, might as well try for something else. <laughs> um. Well, okay. Do you have anything else on Will Smith to tackle, or is no, that? No, I it? think that's that's the full that's the full gamut. You know, we did it. Walked you more than it. enough, Will Smith. Yeah. <laughs> more thoughts on Will Smith than I ever thought I would have. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, please go subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, leave us a comment, follow us on social media, leave us a review, you know, all good things that will just prove <laughs> to us that, yes, there are people who enjoy listening to our podcast and 90 minutes of talk about yes, Will Smith. Yes, please. And it's my birthday, so you have to. Yeah, and it's Johnny's birthday and she's (laughs) desperate. We'll be back next week actually talking about the queen herself, Anne Hathaway. She has a new movie coming out. Woot woot. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot. Of course we are. Makes sense. Full circle. We're doing it. I feel like once we talk about somebody in one of these birthday episodes, it's sort of like almost a requirement to just talk about all their new (laughs) movies, no matter how bad they are. Yeah, sure. We'll do it. The hustle coming your way next week. Yes. Will it be better than Serenity? That's the question. (laughs) Can anything top Serenity? Okay. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. (laughs) 